welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Everything was building to a, a bad ending. He'd been stalking me. Maybe he'd seen me earlier in the day, I'm not sure. And when he took his life, my life started to spin out of control. The pain and the anger and the self-destruction defined me. And then he said, I forgive you. And that is still one of the greatest memories uh, of my entire life. My uncle was full of life and just so much joy. He loved to find the simple things in life and to just enjoy the present. And I so admired that about him. And I knew he cared immensely for me. And so um, when he took his life, I was shocked. We showed up at the house and there were cops and sirens and a lot of noises and lights. And we pulled up and I I just remember knowing that he had died. So that was really hard. My life started to spin out of control at that point. I just started to make decisions about what I was gonna do. And so I started drinking and I started doing drugs and I started to get into really unhealthy relationships and I made a lot of poor decisions. It was like this perpetual cycle I couldn't get out of. And I had tried everything and nothing was working. So there was one day that I was handed a book called Echoes of Mercy by Nancy Elkhorn. She's the founder of Mercy Ministries, a place where women can go and find help and healing through Christ. And so I read the table of contents of this book, half the first chapter, and um, in that moment I knew that either I was gonna go to Mercy and walk through this process, or I was not, and I didn't know if I was gonna live to see the next summer. Something inside of me started to believe that I could get better, even though I didn't think it was possible, something in me started to believe that. One of the first steps at Mercy Ministries is to walk through forgiveness, and so I made a list, and my uncle was on that list. So that was really hard to forgive him for making a choice to walk away from my family. But I did, because I learned that forgiveness is a choice and not a feeling. 
And after I'd walked through forgiving the other people in my life, I still felt like there was something stopping me from more healing. I knew, like, in that moment that I had to forgive myself for the last 10 years of my life. And so I was praying one day, and I was like, God, what is this? Like, I'll do whatever it takes. Like, I got nothing left. And I had a picture come to my mind. And I saw Jesus on the cross. And I saw myself screaming at it and pointing and saying, that's not good enough for me. But I knew the promises in the Bible, and I knew that God was going to be faithful if I was willing to walk through forgiving myself. It was as I walked that, the Lord like brought hope into my life and, and joy, and like I just I can't put it into words. It's like I can dance for the first time ever in my life. Like I never thought that I would be this happy, that the relationships in my life, the really important ones, would be as amazing and as phenomenal as they are. I confidently can say that I walk in freedom and that I walk in God's grace because I still mess up, but I'm, I'm moving forward in the favor of God. Thank you, Andrea, for being vulnerable on that one. That, that was like a, a should have passed out Kleenex before that video. I can feel it. I can feel it here, and I'm sure we're feeling it at all of our campuses. There's so much there. I'm just going to tell you, some of you need to watch that again and grab all the truth that was in that over and over and over again, that hope starts to rise up in you, that you can be forgiven, that you can forgive yourself, and you can grab hold of that. Okay, so we're going to deal with that today because this is a big one. This is one that so many people have trouble with, forgiving themselves, Forgiving themselves, because you know what you've done, you know it, the enemy beats you up, you think, surely I can't be forgiven, and so you can't forgive yourself, and it stalls you out, and you can't move forward. And so we're going to deal with that today. Matter of fact, it was one of the top things that people said uh, that they struggle with, and I I, I want you to see the, the mosaic behind me here. I want you to, all the campuses, I want everybody to grab this and just see this right here. I want you to see the mosaic that's up here. It's beautiful because it's a picture of Jesus, but it's beautiful because each of those is somebody saying, I forgive somebody. Each of those is somebody saying, I forgive somebody who's offended me. I'm letting it go. You responded last week. Over 2,000 people last week that did it and uh, at all of our campuses. And they said, I I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And I want to let you know that people said, I forgive my brother. I forgive my sister. I forgive my boss. I forgive my ex. I forgive this person. I forgive my neighbor. I forgive classmates. And the top four people that they said, number one, they said, I forgive my mom. Number two, they said, I forgive my dad. Number three, they said, I forgive my family members. It's amazing to me. Top three were like the closest people to us. We have to deal with that next week. I'm, I'm pulling a change here. We're going there because we have to, if that's the top three, we're going there. Who it is? But number four, I have to forgive myself. I forgive myself. People were saying it last week. I forgive myself. And it's very, very real. And we're talking to Christians here. I'm not talking about people that have never been forgiven. If you've never been forgiven and ask Jesus to forgive you, at the end of the service, there'll be prayer teams, and you should go up and ask one of them, I want to be forgiven. But here's the thing. Even when you've been forgiven and Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, 
you still can't forgive yourself many. You can't. You're like, I know what I did. I know what I did. My sin is ever before me and I, I can't forgive myself. And you get paralyzed and you can't move forward. And I gotta tell you, it's a big thing for a lot of people. A lot of people can't move forward because they can't forgive themselves. Now, I'll be really honest with you. I, I, I'm a quick forgiver. I'm a quick forgiver. I learned after counseling with people that, that that's not normal, okay? When I sin, when I fall short, and even now, if I sin and fall short, and I feel the spirit of conviction come on me, and I feel God saying, hey, you know, you messed up there, you sinned, that was wrong, I'm a quick forgiver to say, God, I am sorry. You are absolutely right, that was wrong. I am sorry for my sins. I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't want this to block us. I don't want this to be there. I'm thankful for conviction and I'm moving forward and I get up from it and I move on. And I don't sit there and think like, oh, now remember Tuesday, Lord, what I prayed, are we good? You know, I don't worry about that. I just get up and I'm quick. And sometimes people are like, are you sure you dealt with that? You know, all right. But I'm a quick forgiver and I'm also a, a quick giver of forgiveness. So I like that. I mean, that I'm able to give it quick, you know, like people offend me or they sin against me and do that. And I'm, I'm able to take it and say, all right, I forgive you. Let's move on. And then people will say years later, like, how are you doing with that person? I'm like, what? They're like, well, remember they did that? I'm like, well, I, yeah, I forgot about that. Okay. But that's not how a lot of people are. It's not how everyone is. But we need to realize that God wants us to uh, be, realize that we're forgiven, that we can be forgivers, that we can move on in forgiveness, and we don't have to hold on to it. If you hold on to it, how many know it just makes you bitter? And bitterness makes you ugly, and some of you need all the help you can get. You don't need that. I'm just saying. I'm saying. I had to lighten the mood there. All right. I've learned this. Bitterness cannot be contained. It just oozes. It oozes into every area of your life. Okay? So realize this. God has forgiven you. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you ask God to make the way for you, and Jesus forgave you of your sins. You prayed a prayer of repentance. You were forgiven, and I want you to understand, we're going to look at the word, but you got to grab this. It grieves God's heart. It breaks his heart when you don't believe what he's done for you is good enough. When you don't believe what he's done for you is good enough for you to forgive you and move forward, it breaks his heart. If you could see yourself, like Andrea said, you know, like, I'm looking at the cross saying, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I mean, when you can't forgive yourself, even though you may not be shouting it, that's what you're saying to God. And it breaks his heart. He's like, it is good enough. It is good enough. Trust me. Trust my word. Trust the promises. It's good enough. If I forgive you, you forgive you. And if you can't forgive yourself, you know what you're saying? God, I know better than you. He's like, well, I know you better than you know you. And I forgive you. How can you put yourself higher than me in this? If I'm willing to forgive you, how are you higher than me? You're not. Okay? So it breaks his heart. And here's the thing. You, you've got to grab this, that God's forgiven you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he's forgiven you. Because if you don't, if you doubt his forgiveness, you will disintegrate. You will disintegrate. Over and over and over again, you will disintegrate. And here's what will happen. You doubt, you doubt, and you doubt. And you think, I can't be forgiven. I can't forgive myself. I can't move forward. And so what will happen is it'll affect your speech. You'll start speaking negative. You'll start having foul speech coming out, out of your mouth. You'll, you'll be discouraged. Everything will be negative, And you will start speaking that over your life. You disintegrate. Your, your actions will start to disintegrate. Sometimes I see people and they're acting out and they're acting out and they're acting out. And I'll grab, I'll say, what are you doing? 
And when it comes down to it, they're like, I can't believe what I did against God. And it's like they're acting out and they think he could never forgive me. He could never. I'm so bad. I can't forgive myself. And so they keep disintegrating because they have a wrong understanding that God's forgiven them. So you got to grab that. When you receive forgiveness, when you believe it and receive it, you start to achieve you believe, receive, and achieve. What do I mean by that? You, you believe that you've been forgiven. You start living in freedom. And when you're living in freedom, how many know that you're willing to step out in faith? How many know that all of a sudden positive words start, start coming out of your mouth? Actions start coming out of your mouth. You're like, well, God loves me. He's forgiven me. I've forgiven myself. I'm not paralyzed. I'm going to go lead a life group. I'm going to go serve. I'm going to go do this instead of like, well, I can't do it. They would never want me after all I've done. They would never do that. They would never receive it. They would never. You start believing it, receiving it, and you start chasing after God's dream for your life. That's what happens. So you have to believe this and you have to grab this. So I want to read some of God's promises to you, some of his word, and then I want to give you some examples of people that grabbed hold of this. So the first passage I want to read is in Colossians. God's forgiven you. And in Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, it talks about how we're forgiven and what's been done for us. It says, for Christ's death on the cross has made peace with God for all by his blood. So Jesus died on the cross and made peace with us for God, for all of us that called on his name. This includes you who were once so far away from God, you were his enemies and hated him and were separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has brought you back as his friends. It's incredible right there. He's done this through the death on the cross of his own human body, and now as a result, Christ has brought you into the very presence of God, and you are standing there before him with nothing left against you, nothing left that he could even chide you for. There's nothing, nothing, because of the blood of Jesus, because of the price that he paid, taken care of, covered, amazing. Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14, it says, for he has rescued us out of the darkness and gloom of Satan's kingdom, brought us into the kingdom of his dear son who bought our freedom with his blood and forgave us of all of our sins, all of our sins. And when you believe that, you live different. You start living different. And here's how you know that forgiveness is starting to be realized in your life. You know, it's applied, but it's not always realized. And you start realizing, because you start living different. You start saying, you know what? I've been forgiven. I, I, I can forgive myself. I can do this. If Jesus forgives me, I forgive me, and I can move forward. And if you are not aligned with an accurate understanding of God, you need to change. God's not going to change. You need to change. You need to say, I need to be different. I, I, I need to be forgiven. I need to, I need to forgive myself, and I need to change. And we fail in this forgiveness because how many know that's not how the secular world works? It's like, okay, we're always like, how much will the amends? They're going to have to pay the price for the crime. They're going to have to do this. They're going to have to do that. We want to exact revenge. We want to have them uh, do. So it doesn't work that way. And it seems like nothing is for free. Nothing can be given to us by grace and by freedom. And we're always suspicious. How many know we're suspicious even of that? Like, really, it's that? He's covered us and we're good. And can I really be, you know, we're always looking for the angle uh, just this last week, I was in New York and uh, doing some stuff with my book, and I was giving away free copies to people. And so I was in New York on Times Square, and I was giving away free copies of Change Before You Have To. And so I'm doing that, and people were like, uh, I'm like, it's free. And they're like, uh, I'm like, oh, it's really free. It's free. I'm not going to ask you for any money. It's free, 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 free gift for you, free, free. And they're like, okay. And they're kind of like, 
okay. <laughs> you know, they were thinking they were getting punked or something because if you've never been to Times Square, people will hand you stuff and they say, here you go, it's my CD. And then they're like, it's $10. And you're like, ah, you want to give it back to them. So don't take the stuff, all right? Unless it's the book and it's free. All right, yeah. <laughs> But they're like, ah, there's got to be an angle. How can it be uh, like that? And that's how we are with God. We're looking at it from the secular world, and we're saying there's nothing for free. There's, you got to work your way. You got to prove it. You got to do it. And God's like, if you look from my angle, there's grace and mercy. Look from my angle. There's grace and mercy, and I give it to you. And if I can forgive you, you need to forgive yourself. Now, somebody that sinned really bad, really bad, Okay, because a lot of us say, well, you don't know what I did. You don't know what I did. And I thank God that in the word of God, he gives us great examples to look at. I thank God for that. And he gives us the, the example of David. Okay, you know him, David and Goliath. He's the one that killed the giant. David and Bathsheba. He's the one that committed adultery with Bathsheba. That's the bad side. Then it gets worse. David has her husband murdered to cover up for the adultery. So we've got a guy that has committed adultery and murdered, okay? And so you're thinking, okay, you don't know what I've done? And you're like, okay, all right, that's a good story. I'm glad it's in the Bible, all right. Okay? And David was forgiven. David was forgiven, and he understood a whole concept of God's forgiveness, and it's amazing. And you gotta understand, David has done all this wrong, and he gets called out by the prophet, which is the most uh, amazing thing, where Nathan calls him out with this little story and traps him in it, and, and then Nathan's like, you're the guy. You're the one with sin. And then David's like, you're right. It's me. I'm the one that sinned against God. This is horrible. And so he pleads with God. He says, I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. And he writes Psalm 51, which is incredibly beautiful because he gives us a glimpse into this forgiveness and learning to be forgiven. So in Psalm 51, I want to read the whole thing. It says, oh, loving and kind God, have mercy. Remember, this is David after he's committed adultery and, and, and killed someone. He says, have pity on me and take away my awful stain of my transgressions. Oh, wash me, cleanse me from this guilt. Let me be pure again, for I admit my shameful deed. It haunts me day and night. It's against you and you alone I sinned and did this terrible thing. You saw it all and you sentenced against me as just. But I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, you deserve honesty from my heart. Yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Oh, give me this wisdom. Sprinkle me with the cleansing blood and I shall be clean again. Remember that line. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And after you have punished me, give me back my joy again. Don't keep looking at my sins. Erase them from your sight. Trade in me a clean heart, O God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Don't toss me aside, banished forever from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to other sinners, and they, guilty like me, will repent and return to you. Don't sentence me to death, oh my God. You alone can rescue me. Then I will sing of your forgiveness, for my lips will be unsealed. Oh, how I will praise you. You don't want penance. If you did, how gladly I would do it. You aren't interested in burnt offerings before you on the altar. It's a broken spirit you want, remorse and penitence. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not ignore. And Lord, don't punish Israel for my sins. Help your people and protect Jerusalem. And when my heart is right, then you will rejoice in the good that I do and in the bullocks I bring to sacrifice upon your altar. There's so much there. 
David's like, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've done wrong. And he's like, God, but it's sin. And I'll tell you this, a lot of people want to explain away sin. You can't. It's sin. It's sin. It's wrong. It's evil. And he says, God, I, I did wrong. I transgressed. I did evil. I did wrong. He said, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to blot out the stain. I want you to wash me. I want you to cleanse me. And then he says in verse 7, sprinkle me with the blood so I can be pure again. Now, I want you to understand this. This is before Jesus died on the cross and his blood covered all of us. Because his blood, when he died on the cross, when we received communion, the cup and the bread, it's symbolizing his blood and his body that hung on the cross and his blood covered all of our sins. But David doesn't have a concept yet of Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. Jesus has not come to the earth yet. But he does realize that they would sacrifice animals and they would take that blood and the priest would then sprinkle blood on the people that were unclean. If they sinned, if they did wrong, if they were unclean, they would come to the priest and they would say, we're, we're sorry for our sins, we repent. We need to be cleansed. And the priest would take hyssop and he would dip it in there and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it on them. And he'd say, you're cleansed, you're forgiven. You can go and worship with the congregation. You are not banned anymore. You're good to go. Go. You're forgiven. And so David's like, if the priest can do that for them, God, you can do it for me. You can do it for me. I just want the blood applied. I just want the blood applied. And if the blood can be applied, I want to be forgiven. And if I'm forgiven, I'm moving forward with you because I know the blood can cover the sins. And every time we think about our sin, we can remember that the blood was applied to us. When we receive communion, we can say, God, it was applied to me. I'm covered. I'm forgiven. And if you've forgiven me, I can forgive me. It's an amazing thing. And then David gets right up from there, and he's like, I'm going for it again. I'm going for it. I realize that the blood has covered me. I'm forgiven, and I'm moving forward. And he says, guess what? I want the strength, God, to never do that again. I want the strength. You got to give me the strength to never do that again because I realize I kind of tripped up. I need your strength. And now that I have the strength to never do that again, God, I want to help people to never do that either. And I'm going to say how good you are. You're an amazing God. I never want to do it again. You got to let that sink in. It's an amazing thing. And what we could say over and over again is, Jesus, the blood has covered my sin. It's covered me. I'm covered. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And I'm sure you're thinking, but I'm a pretty bad person. You are. You're bad, okay? We're all bad. Every one of us. We're bad. We're unworthy. And he doesn't forgive us because we're good. He forgives us because Jesus is amazing. Okay? There's, you don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve forgiveness. Not at all. Okay? We don't deserve it. But I want you to understand what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says this, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, now catch this, for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now, don't miss that line. In our culture, for Christ's sake, kind of has taken on a negative thing. People say it in a very derogatory way. It's an amazing phrase. It means because Christ is worthy, because Christ is amazing, God forgives you. I don't think you caught that. Because Christ is amazing, you get forgiveness, okay? Maybe at the campuses they caught that, but you don't deserve it. And God doesn't forgive you because you're amazing, which again is hard for some people because some people think they're amazing and they're like, thank you, God, you've got me. He's like, you're not that good. Okay, <laughs> because Jesus is amazing, because Jesus was perfect, because he paid the price, 
God the Father says, because of what Jesus did, for Christ's sake, I forgive you. And when you have the blood applied to you, you're now under the covering of the blood. And when I look at you, I see the covering of Jesus, and that's why you're forgiven. And so God forgives you because of what Jesus did. That's amazing. And he wipes away our sins. He makes us children. He views us through Jesus, and that's the best deal on the planet. And when you ask for forgiveness, grasp this, Jesus forgives everything you did in the past, everything you're doing in the present, and everything in the future. I know it's hard to believe that. And you're like, wait a minute, do I have to keep coming back in every communion? Do I like re-examine and reconfess? And you know, because I used to do that. I used to get to communion. I used to be like, okay, Lord, as I hold these elements, I don't want to drink them unworthy. And uh, I'm just going to kind of inventory. Well, it's been a month since communion. So let me think this through. What have I done? And I, was, I wasn't flippant. I was terrified. I was like, okay, I better get these all covered because if I take this bad, I'm in trouble. And so I think like, oh, Tuesday, sorry for Tuesday, you know, uh, sorry for that. And anything I might have forgot to mention to you, I asked for, does anybody else think today? Okay, all right, so some of the people. Okay, you don't have to do that. It's all covered, it's all covered, it's all covered, past, present, future. And when you come to communion, if you're convicted of anything, you can pray a prayer that's different than like, forgive me again, you know, make sure it's applied. It's not a fear that it's applied, it's been applied to you. Okay? Now, I can hear your minds because the Apostle Paul heard this too. In Romans chapter, chapter 6, he's talking about this. Wait, wait, wait. Past, present, and future sins are all forgiven? Does that mean I have a free pass on Friday night? No. No. Love would in, never intentionally want to hurt the person that they love. So Paul says in Romans 6, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He's saying, you know, he's forgiven you, past, present, and future. He's forgiven you, but don't live in it. Don't, don't try to intentionally go and do wrong. You want to be formed into his image. And so when you sin, and if you sin, and when you sin, after you've asked for forgiveness, now grab this, after you've asked for forgiveness from God, and he's forgiven your past, present, and future, Let's say you sin, because we all fall short, and we just, we're not living perfect yet. You can pray something like this when you're convicted. You can pray, thank you for the forgiveness that first covered my sins, and the one I feel convicted of right now. I'm sorry for this, and as I desire to be like you, and I thank you for your Holy Spirit convicting me of this right now. I don't want to live this way anymore, Lord. I thank you that you've forgiven me of this sin, and I want the power of God to overcome this sin, and I don't want to live in it anymore. Give me the strength to move forward now with this conviction, and keep convicting me of anything I do wrong, because I want to be formed in your image. But you're not saying like, oh, one more time, I need it, I need it applied. You can thank God for what was applied. And when you're convicted, thank God for that conviction and move forward knowing that you've been forgiven and thanking God for the conviction that's there that helps you. Now, uh, some people say, well, is there a line that you can cross and go too far and cross the line and, and, and step out? I think there is a line. I really do. I think there's a line where you can sin and sin and sin and sin, and you get to a point where God's Holy Spirit's like, are you in or are you out? And you can say, I'm out. I talked to a lot of people. They say, like, I was mad at God. My dad died. I started drinking this, this, and I said, I'm out. I'm done with you, God. I'm done. And they said, I'm over. And then they said it was miraculous. Somebody came up to him one day and just out of the clear blue said, God's not done with you, and he wants you back. Wow. You know? So I think there's a line. I really do. Where that line is, I don't know, and here's my advice to you. 
don't try to find the line. Don't try to find it. It's death at the line, life in God, okay? But here's what happens to you when you sin as a believer. It's been forgiven, but here's what it does to you. It blocks your communion with God. It hinders your relationship. It causes others to miss out because you confuse them when you're sinning. So that's why he wants us to perfect holiness in awe of who he is, and we want to be more like him so that people at work say, you look a lot like Jesus rather than you look like everybody else on Friday night. Okay? It doesn't lead to the abundant life. It cheapens the price that Jesus paid. It says you know better than God. It rips you off. It binds you up, and it breaks God's heart. So why would you want to sin? We should want to pursue righteousness and holiness. Okay, so don't, let's not go after that line. Let's go after Christ and realize we're forgiven and we're not gonna do these other things. And when we're convicted, we thank God that it's forgiven and we thank God for conviction and we want the strength to change. Now, here's the thing. No human effort can make you worthy to be forgiven. Nothing, 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 nothing. You have to receive the forgiveness of God and be able to forgive yourself. The enemy says, you can't be forgiven. You're so bad. And, and you could say, you're right, I am so bad, but Jesus is so amazing. I am bad. I am unworthy. I am a, a loser. I, yeah, all those things, great. I did it. I did all those things. But guess what? Jesus is amazing. And, and forgiveness has been applied to you, but it hasn't been realized. And you need to quote the word. You need to watch the intro video. You need to keep reading it and reading it and read it. You may need to have index cards or your iPhone buzz and tell you and remind you over and over again what God's done for you, but it's real and you need to grab it. And you, I think we irritate God when we don't move forward in forgiveness and we try to do stuff to show how sorry we are. Okay, let me prove this for you. Give you a simple illustration. Imagine you go out with a coworker. You're going to do a little work away at Starbucks or Caribou. You're going to get some coffee. Hey, we're going to get out of the office. We're going to go work. So you get to Starbucks, Caribou. You're there. And all of a sudden, you realize you forgot your wallet. So you say, oh, I forgot my wallet. I, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And they're like, no, don't worry. I got it. So you order your drink. It's $4 or whatever. And, and they say, I got it. It's no problem. And you're like, oh, I will totally pay you back. I can't believe I forgot my wallet. I will pay you back. When we get back to the office, I am going to pay you back. And they're like, don't worry, it's under $5. I got it. Just take, you know, don't worry about it. It's all good. You're like, no, don't worry. Really, I got you. I got you. You get your drink. You're like, thank you. I got you. When we get back to the office, I totally got my wallet. Totally, I get you. You know, I think I, I think I brought it with me. It's not at home. I don't think. Okay, so you're doing the meeting and you're doing your work away. You're trying to strategize. And halfway through the meeting, the person's like, totally, thank you. Every sip, they're like, thank you. Got you. Thank you. Totally gonna pay you back. This is good. It's good. Totally. Not taking advantage of you. Got this. All right, so I want to get back. Okay. And you're like, okay, that's good. So let's do the work away. And they're like, it's totally good. Totally got you. Totally got you. How many right now you're like, I wish you'd have remembered your wallet? You know, like, <laughs> seriously. Okay. And then, and then you get to, you're just like, all right, let's go back to the office. You get in the car and you pull up to the office and they grab your bag and they run to the front door and they open the door for you. And they're like, I totally got you. I got you. I got the door. I got your bag. And you're like, yeah, my bag was unzipped. You dropped off. Okay. You know, and, and you're like, I didn't need that. You're like, totally got you. You walk into the workplace and, and, and you're like, Hey, he bought my coffee, but I got him. Don't worry. Totally got him. I left my wallet. Totally got him. Thank him. I thank him. He's so, I got him. You know, how many are like right now? They're like, I don't even want you to work here anymore. You know? And all day long, they come into your office and they're like, totally, we're good, we're good, we're good, right, we're good. I got you, I, I can't find my wallet, I think it's home, but I got you tomorrow, totally got you, got you, good, good. We're good, we're good, 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 good. That's how much you irritate God. 
and then some. No, really. That's how much you irritate him. You're like, totally God, God, I totally got you. You got me, you got forgiveness, you got your cakes. What do you, what do you, need? you need? You need me, I'm there. Front row, front row, you need me, front row, front row. Totally front row. One hand in worship or two. Two, two today. High, super high, super high. Two, two super high, I'm in. What do you need? Yes, I'm there. I'm a kingdom builder, I'm in. Good, good, good. Nursery, I'm in. Good, good, good. You know, really, seriously. God's like, I got it. I got it, you can't work for this. You can't work for this. You can't. You're not worthy. He's saying, because of Christ, for Christ's sake, I forgive you. And every time the enemy says, you can't be forgiven, you can't be forgiven, you are no good, you are unworthy. You say, you are so right, but I found grace. You are so right, but I found Jesus. And Jesus is amazing. He's incredible. He's amazing. And he applies that forgiveness to me. And I have peace with God. And I'm going to live different. Hebrews 10, chapter 10, verse 10, 14, and 18. Under this new plan, we have been forgiven and made clean by Christ dying for us once and for all. For by that one offering, he made forever perfect in the sight of God all those who he is making holy. Now, when sins have once been forever forgiven and forgotten, there is no need to offer more sacrifices to get rid of them. You know, God, I got you, I got you, I totally got you, got you, totally got you, got you, got you. He's like, it's done, it's done. Now move forward in the forgiveness. If God can forgive you, you need to forgive yourself. When you do this, you can say, I, you know, God, I grab it, I grab it, and I'm gonna stand on this. I'm gonna stand on Romans 3, 23. 24, yes, all have sinned, all fall short of the glorious deal of, ideal of God, yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ, who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Wow, we're good. We're good. And he says, you're forgiven. And when I forgive you, I give you a fresh start. I give you a fresh start. And you're good. It's a new day. And I, I want to give you one illustration here. And I want to grab something that will immediately evoke good feelings in all the people over 10 years old. <laughs> it's a sketch. I thought about doing it with an iPad, but I thought, this is so cool. I remember growing up and having an Etch-a-Sketch. And if you can't see it, I put sin on there. And we just see it always before us. We know how bad we are. We know it. We, we created the mess we're in. We created our Etch-a-Sketch mess. And then God says, you know what? I've forgiven you. When you ask for forgiveness, I've forgiven you, and I've made you clean. All it takes from me is a couple good shakes, and I'm good. I got you. It's covered. It's taken care of. It's not there anymore. It's good. Now, go ahead. Etch a sketch away. Your whole life is different now. It's, whole, it's all different. The slate's been wiped clean. What bound you before? Gone. The things that defined you before? Gone. You don't see them anymore. It's gone. The etch a sketch is clear for you to do whatever you want. I'm just telling you, grab hold of that. Some of you can't believe it. It's, you think that was simple for me to do? It's even easier for God to say, covered, done, taken care of, done. One prayer, done, over. And you've got to receive that and say, I am not greater than you, God. You are greater than me. And I receive this forgiveness. If you forgive me, if you say clean slate, then I say clean slate. I say clean slate. Because he did the work, and all we do is move forward in the amazing work of Jesus Christ. So God, we thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that it was for Christ's sake that you forgave us. 
Not one of us could ever do anything good enough to ever be forgiven. But it was because the one that was good died on the cross and his blood poured down that cross so we could be forgiven. He rose from the dead to show us that every promise he made was true. And now we need to live in that forgiveness. Yes, we stumble and fall, but as we stumble and fall, we'll repent of those things because it hinders our walk with you. But it's been covered. It's been covered. It's been forgiven. And so, God, we come back to you and say, God, keep us close, keep us close. For those that have a hard time forgiving themselves, God, I pray that every time the enemy reminds them of their sin, instead of cowering, I pray that they'd bow up and realize the grace of God is bigger than they could ever comprehend. The enemy wants to throw sin after sin after sin after them and remind them of what they did. And I pray instead of being saddened by it, they'd say, you're right, I did those things. But Jesus forgives me. I forgive myself. Thanks for reminding me how amazing grace is. I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. So we thank you for that, God. Help us to be able to forgive ourselves because you've done the big part. Help us to do the little part. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.